Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings. Audible.com is the world's largest selection of audiobooks, audio dramas and Audible original podcasts. You can download their app on the Play Store or the App Store. And if you head over to sleepeatperformrepeat.com, you can get 50% off for the first three months of your subscription. Or you can avail from a 30-day free trial. All you have to do is click the banner and follow the links. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, episode number 99. Today spoke to Tom Archer, adventure and landscape photographer, curious soul and a creative mind. Tom is an award-winning freelance photographer, writer and teacher based in London. He began his love for photography in his early 20s after a brief career as a policeman and has worked as a freelance photographer since. His style incorporates epic and dramatic landscapes showing the scale and beauty of the world. And previous clients include giants such as Panasonic and L'Oreal. We discussed the preparation for the right shot, learnings to take when the moment wasn't quite captured as planned, and Tom's most memorable photographs from around the world, including caves in Waitomo and hot balloon rides. You will come away from this episode with a newfound appreciation for those perfectly captured photographs when the setting, timing, exposure, light, and shutter speed all worked in perfect harmony. Those spectacular photos take hours and hours of preparation, precision, and patience. Looking forward to being invited to your big exhibition in the future, Tom, and thanks for joining us. Tom Archer, thanks a million for taking the call today. We're really looking forward to speaking to you. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm very well, thanks. A uh, bit of a crazy year this year, isn't it? But <laughs> can't complain, really can't complain at all. Okay, well, can't complain. We're going to have to build off that to start, Tom, because a lot of people are complaining. So you being a photographer, how have you managed to make this year work for you? Well, I mean, it's been a very difficult one, obviously, especially with being known as a landscape and travel photographer. That's been completely off the books this year. But I actually run a studio with a couple of other guys that does product photography and, and all sorts of working with brands to do all things. So we've managed to kind of you know have enough money come in to pay the bills. But, you know, I, I say can't complain because I'm very fortunate. You know, I live in a, a, a well-off country and, you know, my life's pretty good. So compared to a lot of people, I consider myself very fortunate. And just for the people that are listening, where is home for you, Tom? So I live in the UK, um, just outside London, uh, in a, a town called Colchester, which actually is the oldest town in, in the UK. It used to be the capital in, in the Roman times. So kind of an interesting place. Yeah. <laughs> Straight off the bat within a minute. Yeah, there you go. So just for the listeners, could you give us a bit of a flavor of your career to date? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually started off in my very early 20s as a police officer. So I've, I've had a bit of a career change there. I, uh, I did that for a few years. I, I found it really interesting, but um, I decided that life's too short. I wanted to go traveling and see the world and, and they wouldn't give me any time off um, except for the usual holiday. So um, I called it quits. I left the police and um, I set off on a around the world trip. And I think I was traveling for about two and a half years nonstop um, without coming back to the UK. Um, and during that time, I think I really found my love for photography then. So um, I had like a sort of entry level SLR camera uh, and I just loved taking pictures as I was going. Not so much landscapes then, but, um, you know, all sorts of landscape, uh, all sorts of travel photography. I broke my leg, unfortunately, in South America uh, and had to come home. And I think that was the catalyst, really. I got home and I was thought, right, OK, I'm back now. I've, I've, I've had my 
trip like what am I going to do with my life I love photography um, I'm quite driven I'd love to have my own company like let's give this a go let's try and be a photographer so I'd say that was um, 2010 when I got back so it's been about 10 years um, and then it's been quite a journey from them I actually started off contacting someone I went to college with who was a, um, a well-known wedding photographer at the time and I kind of went along and helped him out at some weddings and learned a lot about photography from him his name's Alex Beckett and for anyone listening should check him out he's an amazing wedding photographer and he taught me a lot um, we also did quite a few weddings abroad, so I kind of, you know, that mixed in. And I, I did all sorts at the beginning. You know, I kind of took any job I could. I learned all different types of photography. And um, I think the the whole landscape and travel photography was always my passion, always tied into that initial love for travel. Um, and so I started to sort of do that as a personal project. So I'd travel, I'd, I'd post my photos on Instagram. And, you know, slowly I started to get quite a large following on there and and uh, I'd, I'd always considered that um you know landscape and travel photography was impossible to earn money from you know you hear people say oh you've got no chance you know there's so much competition and but as I started to get this following I started to get you know the occasional um clients and, and tourist boards contact me and say you know we'd love you to come over and take some photos and it kind of snowballed from there and and it's probably been about three or four years that um my since my instagram started to get really big and um since then i've been incredibly fortunate to work all around the world of loads of different tourist boards and brands and yeah i absolutely love it i'm very lucky that i can work in my passion and was there one particular photo or kind of series of photos tom like nearly a seminal moment for you when you went in your head you know this is really where i see myself going for for the next 30 or 40 years I don't think there was sort of that light bulb moment for me. Um, unfortunately, I can't give you that uh, that story, but it, it was it was a, a love, a passion that kind of slowly, you know, came, like slowly developed um, through my travels. And then, yeah, in terms of actual work, it, there was nothing that kind of clicked. I mean, <laughs> excuse all the puns here. Uh, that made me think, you know, like this is this is definitely what I want to do. I can do this. I'm going to be really successful. It was just kind of a a slow developing pro- process of of improving and enjoying it more and more each time, and you know, slowly realizing I think I can do this. I think I can be good at this, and I can be successful at it. Tom, making a career change like that is quite difficult. Going from a police officer where you've nice security to a freelance photographer. I'm interested when things aren't going your way. Let's say you're not capturing the quality of work that you want or you're not getting the, the shots that you set out to. Anything you do to stave off any doubt that creeps in, do you look up to other photographers that you follow and try and get inspiration from them? Or is there any other particular practice that you do to keep motivated? I think being inspired is a really important part. Um, so you definitely hit the nail on the head there saying like, you know, following other photographers that you look up to um, is definitely something, you know, you have your days where you feel a bit down or you feel like oh, I can't produce high enough quality work. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. And, but it's a, a process of you have, you have to talk to yourself. You have to, you know, get out there and look at those people that inspire you and tell yourself, you know, I can achieve this. It's, you know, anyone can get there. It's just a, a question of putting in the hard work, putting in the practice we obviously admire your work. If anyone hasn't seen your work, be it on Insta, be it on the website, have a look at, your, at Tom's work. It's just, it's just phenomenal. Tom, what makes it attractive? Like what is Tom Archer's work? What could we look at your photos and say that has Tom all over it? Kind of what are the characteristics, the style, the kind of, I suppose, the flavor and that makes the landscape photo your photo? 
for me, it's all about light. Um, you know, a lot of photographers would say that, and especially with landscapes, it's about creating this magic, I would say. Um, for me, it's you go to this landscape, and a, a lot of landscape photography is about you know, sitting and, and waiting and kind of waiting for that moment that sometimes might only last for 30 seconds, you know, in the middle of a storm, the sun breaks through the clouds and, and creates this absolute you know, amazing scene as the light hits it and, and kind of gives it this depth and makes it stand out. And so I think for me, um, all of my work is, is generally geared towards that. It's like, how can I present the scene in the most beautiful and kind of magical way? I almost want it to feel surreal and dreamlike. Like I, I want it to someone to think that they're in this kind of fantasy land, but it's a real place, you know? So I want people to dream that they can travel to these places and that they can see it in this light and have that kind of, that moment of bliss I would say it's like you know that surreal moment where you're kind of standing there in this landscape and thinking this is is this even real life this is um so that's that's why I aim to achieve really with every photo is is kind of taking people on a journey through a kind of dreamlike scape maybe a, an escape from the, the world and through the lens Tom and say you've gone to this nice beautiful place in Norway and you've got the lights and you've got this lovely little house in front and you know exactly what you're going for you have your vision you've prepped you've got your tripod you're all ready to go and something happens right so maybe you know snow comes down or something in, in the natural world happens and what you wanted to show through your skill as a photographer couldn't happen what do you manage to do at those times when it doesn't always go to plan it is it is tricky and and landscape photography is specifically difficult because you can't control the environment you know it's not like taking a portrait of someone where you bring along loads of flashes and you can kind of create any light or environment you want around taking that photo of someone um whereas a landscape you you can't really fake it you know you've got to wait for that moment you've got to wait for that sun to come out or you know having that beautifully moody sky and um so I think it's um, it's about understanding that and realizing um, and having that patience to to know that it's not always going to turn out great. But surprisingly, you know, often things don't turn out exactly like you hope to. But often you can capture something different to what you'd initially expected, but that can be equally as beautiful. So um, you might be there hoping for a you know this beautiful sunset in front of a landscape, but when you actually are there, it's, it's really moody and, and stormy. But then I don't know that you know the, the it starts snowing and you've got this beautiful suddenly kind of wintry snowy scene or, or a rainbow comes out. And um, so it's about being prepared that, yeah, you're not necessarily going to get what you're hoping for, but there's generally some kind of magic to be had if you've got the patience and you've got the eye to look out for um, something different. But it's definitely a, a lesson in life of, yeah, like things don't go how you expect them to. And often you, you don't come away with what you're expecting. And you've traveled to so many fantastic locations in terms of Tanzania, Iceland, in Northern Ireland, even the Blue Lakes in New Zealand. Has anyone been a special moment for you or one particular favorite that you have? It's tricky. I, I, I've always been asked that. I've always traveled a lot and people always say, you know, where's your favorite country or where's your you know, favorite place? And I think I love so many different places for so many different reasons. And, and every time you go to a place... Uh, you can experience it completely differently depending on who you're with or exactly where you are or what activities you're doing. So you can have a different moment each time you travel there. But places that stand out to me, I mean, I love the mountains, as you probably see from my work. I love being out in that kind of that epic landscape where you, you know, you realize your place in the world. I think you feel you feel small in terms of this landscape, um, but at the same time, you feel like part of it. Um, 
sounds kind of cheesy, but it kind of makes you, you know, appreciate your place in the world. So, uh, you know, anywhere with those kind of um, epic scenes and, I, you know, one place that initially stands out to me would be Norway. I, I really love northern Norway. I just think it's incredibly, incredibly beautiful there. Um, and there's quite a variety of landscapes. It's where you're going to get your holiday home, according to your social media, yeah? Yeah, exactly, yeah. We have people on this podcast, far-reaching, really diverse fields, and they're all high performers. Yeah, So we call you a high performer because you've honed in on something and you are really talented at it. But what seems to separate high performers in their field, obviously, is preparation. Um, so I suppose we're both curious as to what is that stage? What is the, the preparatory sort of pieces that you have to go to to take the photo you really want to take or to be prepared for, for that snowy scene to come come into play and that becomes the new photo what's the preparation like for someone like yourself i mean obviously a lot of it comes down to the the years of learning and and studying i mean i I didn't study traditionally but studying the great uh the greats out there you know like the best photographers so i I, when i started out i'd spend you know hours and hours looking through portfolios of photographers i looked up to and, and trying to analyze their photos and say you know what makes this great and how can i emulate this and um, slowly over time, I'd pick up different skills from, um, you know, from different artists, different photographers. Um, and I think that's what a lot of good artists do. It's about kind of taking little bits from all these, you know, other successful people and, and blending them together into your own style. So, um, you know, an important part of the preparation of taking that one photo is, um, sort of 10 years of learning beforehand as, um, I, I think, uh, I read recently about, you know, when you say someone's an overnight success, it's like it's an overnight success that's, that's 10 years in the making. Yeah, so a big part of it's that. But in terms of a specific trip or a specific place, uh, definitely lots of research. So, you know, say, for example, I, I, I'm working with the tourist board in, in Ireland and, and I'm, I'm on a commission to go out and, and cover a certain area like uh, Galway, for example, and around that area, I, I will be on the internet studying. I'll be looking at Google Maps, looking no, for any kind of... Galway, no. Get to County Limerick. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to go anywhere in Ireland, County Limerick is where you're going to have the best I photo. haven't actually been, so I'll have there to put that one down Forget on the list. But yeah, it's about studying the area. Like Firstly, looking through um, other photographers' work, trying to pick out places that stand out, looking through Google Maps um, and Google Earth, kind of looking at the landscapes and, and looking at where it might be interesting and kind of looking at doing a lot of prep of you know what are distances to drive between here and here and uh, what times do I need to be in certain places so I'll be looking at where is the sun going to be in the sky at certain times of day so okay I've got sun sunset on the first night right where's good to go okay the sun's going to be in the right place there Um, and then I'll often prep in the middle of the day because a lot of my photos are taken in sort of golden hours at sunrise and sunset when the the light's nicer so i'll often go in the daytime and, and sort of scope out a place um there's some great apps that allow you to you know use a, your camera to look up and see where the sun will be you can like track it on the camera um in like uh, augmented reality so you can see where the sun will be at a certain time and okay i know that i've got to be here at you know 4 p.m 5 p.m whatever and um, work out how it's going to look and then um then i'm fully prepped to be at the right place at the right time uh but then you know after that it is patience um, and and being really aware i think like being at a place but not necessarily just looking out for that photo that you hoped you're going to get it's about kind of exploring keeping your eyes open and looking out for any other potential opportunities or, or shots that could work instead that's great tom yeah you mentioned something there we had a guest on before Alan Sign Jr. and he, he spoke about the unseen hours. So I think that goes exactly into what you're saying about overnight success being 10 years in the making. Exactly. And I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to just touch on 
the commission-based and the sort of sourcing of work. So for a new starter as a photographer or someone who's looking to do something, how did you build the rapport or maybe build the relationships with some of the industries or with the companies that you work with now? It's, it's definitely a slow process. And, um, you know, I, I would say I spend a fair amount of time sort of networking and reaching out to, you know, whether it be a specific brand or a tourist board or quite often um, it goes through sort of marketing agencies and PR agencies. And um, I, I find that, um, you know, PR agencies are used to this kind of thing. You'll I'll reach out um send an email out, can I come and meet you for a coffee, show you my work and and go in and, and network with lots of different people, show them, have a nice chat, kind of, you know, tell them what you're about and what your work's about. And but often it's I find the work actually comes from someone that you haven't met. But you know, that person you've met is probably putting a good word with another person when they've seen your work. So I think it, it does require a, a lot of um hustling, as I'd say, like um it's putting that time into meeting lots of different people, making a good impression and slowly the work will pick up and obviously the work is important um as well and 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 putting yourself out there like you know i've got my instagram that obviously has a a decent following but it's about having a website and a blog and and posting in lots of different places and and just trying to put yourself out there wherever you can and i think it's never gonna you know even if you're the best photographer in the world you're not going to be able to do that overnight it's going to take months probably years for that work to start coming and to start developing that relationship and then I think you start to it snowballs and you get good word of mouth and you work with one PR agency and they'll recommend them to their friends at another agency and um, that work can snowball. Yeah, you mentioned a good point that once the work has the quality, it generally builds itself and has that snowball effect. Just switching over to the product photography and you've worked with huge brands in the past. In terms of when you're setting up for a, a shoot or they have a product that they want to advertise and get you involved with, how do you set the vision out for a shoot like that? Do you plan it yourself? Do you work closely with the company? Are you the main suggestion in terms of what we should do? Or do they come with locked and loaded with ideas for you? It really varies. I'd say um, some clients can be very specific. They can come along and say, look, we want to work for you, but this is exactly what we want. And they they really know what they want. And even when you deliver it, they're like, actually, can you make it more like this? And, and they want you to you know, edit it in a certain way. And, and then other clients come along and, and say, look, you're the creative one where you know you can make any suggestion we're we're happy to go that we love what you do um and i think a lot of artists would always say they prefer that i know i do like i'd prefer to have that kind of opportunity to create and but at the end of the day you know every 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 client and every brand is different and um yeah you you get it's very varied excellent is there any upcoming stuff that we should look out for Unfortunately, nothing very exciting going on at the moment, you know, due to everything being based around travel and, and all the lockdown, I've basically not traveled all year. So th- there's a few things on the horizon that um, I won't speak about yet because they're you know, not formalized. There hasn't been a contract. But so I'm hoping when everything opens up, there'll be some exciting trips on the horizon, but um, nothing in, in full on um, sort of planning mode and nothing's fully booked in, unfortunately, right now. Soon, maybe. Yes. And Tom, I've gotten a lot of value of some workshops I've done with a fellow called Peter Gordon here, actually, in Ireland, Explore Light. And kind of what are you doing in that space? And how does how does the the format make it different than if somebody went to do a workshop with yourself? What do you try to hone in on? What kind of skills you try to work on with a young, aspiring photographer? I haven't done a whole lot of teaching. I've done a few short workshops. Um, it's something that I am looking and, and interested in getting more involved in because I really love teaching and I love that sort of passion you get in people that are starting out. And it's so nice to be able to help guide people and help people sort of fulfill their potential. And 
I, I don't know how I would work differently to the sort of next person. I just, I know that it's something that I enjoy. And um, I think really it's about patience, really, and, and listening to them and, you know, showing them what you know. So if, so if we flew over to you tomorrow, would it be more about trying to improve the kind of technical skills and understanding aperture and ISO and, you know, light and all these sort of things? Or would it be more about painting a scene and understanding where you where you put things and how to set yourself up as it were where does that blend between i suppose understanding the photo you're trying to take and prepping for that versus understanding actually the the composition from a skill and technical point of view they're both very important aspects um i mean really when it comes down to it the most important thing is that creative side it's about seeing that photo it's about understanding how to compose something and in, in a way that you want to, to, to show it and having that that idea in mind. But really, I, I, I think it comes from experimentation. For me, it's, you know, no one just has, a, well, very rarely do you just have a perfect idea. You turn up, you execute it perfectly and you leave. A lot of it's about, you know, a bit of experimentation. Oh, let me try this format, try that. Oh, yeah, I like that. How, let me try that a, a little bit more, you know, let's expand that a bit. And, and you kind of learn as you go and you keep, you know, perfecting it. But the technical side of photography, you know, talking about things like aperture and shutter speeds. And I definitely think that amateurs um, do focus on that a lot. I, I find a lot of people message me and like, oh, you know, what, what shutter speed is this? And yes, it is important to understand, but I don't even think about that kind of thing anymore. It's so it's so natural. Um, really, it is all about how you see light and how you compose a scene with light. And the te- I guess the technical aspect just allows you to, to capture that. Um, it's kind of the the vessel, I guess, as, as you'd say. Um, it is important to learn when you start out, but it's also important to understand that it's the, you know not the most important part of a photo. Yeah, it's kind of like, what are you trying to take a photo of? What are you trying to, trying to show? I love that. Tom, with all the travels you, you've had, you know, Kiran alluded to all the places you've, you've been fortunate to get to Tanzania, you know, Norway, as you've touched on, Northern Ireland, County Limerick soon. Um <laughs> Is there a scene or a photo that you've left behind that you haven't quite taken? Maybe you're back on the plane home or you're looking and reflecting back on your work and your editing and you've went, I didn't consider that or I didn't look at it from that angle or maybe I should have taken that. I mean, to be honest, I would say that happens almost everywhere I go. I'm I'm never quite happy and I do think that's the... um, bit of a creative curse for a lot of people it's like it's the only way you truly improve is by never quite being happy with what you're doing you know if you take a photo and you're um or a set of photos and you think yeah they're perfect i love them then you're never going to strive to get better so um yeah that that definitely happens a lot but um especially with landscapes because you often go to a place even if you go for a relatively long time because you're waiting on the conditions you often don't come away with what you hoped for but um, in terms of places I've been, I would say maybe um, I, ha- I feel like I have unfinished unfinished business in New Zealand. I, I spent six weeks out there traveling around in a um, camper van and visiting you know, incredibly beautiful places, but um, I didn't have a huge amount of luck with weather. And there's a lot of places and, that I really wanted to capture in a nice light that um, were just you know, absolutely miserable and, and gray and raining and I couldn't get any sort of thing from it that I'd be happy with. So I would really love to go back to New Zealand and spend some more time on the South Island, especially around places like Mount Cook and try and get the, some of these places on a clear day and get what I initially hoped to. Yeah, I, I know Mount Cook. I stayed very near it and I spent a lot of time in, in the glaciers, Fox and Franz Joseph, when I 
did a little bit of work there a couple of years ago. So I can, I, that point you just said totally resonates. It's such a untainted, beautiful part really of the world that so many people don't appreciate unless they have a chance to visit it. So totally understand that would be somewhere you'd want to go back to. For sure, yeah. I just, you know, I, I imagine myself be, being around Mount Cook, and like, you can almost imagine, um, you know, Captain Cook sailing in and seeing this kind of this incredibly pristine, beautiful land for the first time. And um, it is beautiful, but it's also quite wild, and and the weather's unpredictable. So, yeah, it would be great to spend some more time back there. You mentioned training your skills that they almost become natural in terms of the aperture and the ISO. When you're walking around, and it's something I always think about when from me a novice and an amateur wouldn't have many skills in terms of photography but when you're walking around and you've garnered that perspective almost are your eyes acting like a lens a lot of the time do you see moments where you don't have your equipment with you but you might say to yourself well that would have been an excellent shot yeah that that definitely happens a lot the other other thing that happens I find a lot is you know I I do a lot of walking at home and I quite often walk in you know around the fields over from my house and I have these beautiful sunsets and I think, oh, this is absolutely incredibly beautiful, but there's nothing there. It's just a plain field. And I, I find myself wishing that I was in, you know, one of these beautiful locations and being able to capture that, that sunset in that location. But no, definitely, I, I always find myself um, looking as if I'm looking through a camera. And I think it's, it's a great thing being able to appreciate for light is one of the things that stands out really like I'll find myself... <laughs> My, my friends think I'm weird and I'm just like look how beautiful this light is this evening and they're like what are you talking about Tom it's just a but I, I really you know it helps you to appreciate that I think and what is it about the outside world that you that you really love what are the parts of the landscapes that are, are your favorite nearly to spend time and look at and take photos of I think I just love being out in nature in general um I think there's just a a rawness about it is um what's the word I th- it's just in our genes you know it's it's something that our species has been living out in nature for hundreds of thousands of years and so i think something about a lot of people you know they connect with nature and you just you feel at peace um being out there as, especially away from traffic and away from crowds and away from um but in terms of you know being in that kind of epic scenery in the mountains uh, as i said earlier i think i touched on it earlier it's about kind of feeling your place in in the world and in the universe and and realizing you're only a a small part of this crazy kind of universe but um there's something just peaceful about that definitely you've obviously harnessed the skills over time looking forward five years and you've achieved so much so far in a relatively short space of time for a career where would you like to see yourself that's a good question i there's there's so many things I think I'd like to do. There's so many places I'd like to go. There's so many countries and, and tourist boards I'd like to work with and capture. And I don't think that um, I don't actually set two specific goals like long term. I just know that I, I work short term towards what I want to do, um, and I find that I just work hard at doing what I love, and and yeah, the rest just seems to work out and take me so. I, I don't want to set anything too rigid. I'm just going to follow what I love doing and follow my passion. And, and I'm sure it will take me to somewhere that is, uh, will hopefully be beautiful and great in the next five, ten years. And so in those five or ten years, and the two of us have been invited to a big exhibition of your work, yeah, in, in London, just off Piccadilly. Let's paint the scene. The Royal Academy, maybe. They're doing a photography exhibition there of your work. What would be the, the landmark piece that you've taken up to now that you would have 
just above or under your name saying, you know, Tom Archer, and this is your piece. Could you maybe explore that photo for us and where you were at the time? What was the scene like when you took that photo? Oh, that's a good question. There's so so many shots. um, And there's so many shots that I am pleased with for different reasons, whether it be uh, a technical aspect or, um, you know, one of those moments where everything comes together and you just feel like you've been blessed because these conditions have come through that are just perfect. I would say... Let me give you a couple, if that's okay, because I know there's a couple. That, there's one that stands out for me that I was really pleased from a, a technical standpoint, which was um, a photo I took in New Zealand of um, a glowworm cave. And I knew I'd wanted to capture it, and I'd, I'd seen these pictures of glowworms, but I wanted to photograph it with with a person in it. So you could really, like, I think for me, adding people to a scene helps you kind of put yourself in that scene and understand it and most photos of glowworms are normally just kind of close-ups of them and, and they you know look very beautiful but you, it's hard to understand what it's like to be there so um we went to and, and i worked with this glowworm cave called glowing adventures and, and we went down and my wife was uh sort of my muse in, in the scene and so I, we put a head torch on her and and she lit up the sort of cave in front of her so that i could silhouette her and i had a super wide angle lens and but it's so incredibly dark and it's such a, a beautiful thing to witness glowworms. It's, you know, it's a bit like seeing the Milky Way above your head, but you're in a cave and it's surreal. But it's incredibly hard to capture because, because of how dark it is. I think the exposures were about five minutes long. Um, so Whoa. as you can imagine, it's, it's a very uh, uh, hard thing to get right because you take a photo and you have to wait for five minutes before you even see how it comes out. And then you, then you adjust it and then you take another one. So it was, it was a slow process, but... Um, from a technical standpoint, I was I was really pleased with how that one came out and um, trying to balance the glowworms with a, a head torch and make it not too bright. It involved like only having the head torch on for 10 seconds when the rest of the exposure was five minutes. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of sort of playing around there. And um, I was really pleased with how that one came out. In terms of a scene, maybe I think one of my favorite shots, which I've got up on my lounge wall, is um, a photo I took in the Serengeti where we were working with the Four Seasons out there in, um, in a safari lodge. And, and we went up in this hot air balloons at sunrise and um, we'd borrowed a, a lens from Nikon, a big 400 millimeter, like insanely big zoom, which I, I don't own because they're just too expensive uh, to justify owning that unless, unless you're a wildlife photographer or a sports photographer. But, so I had this lens with me and, and we're in a hot air balloon and the balloon's moving. Uh, I got this 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 lens rested on the side, and I, I don't know if you've been on a balloon, but you get barely any space. Like you can barely even crouch down. It's such a tiny space. So, um, but I managed to capture the other two balloons um, in the distance in this crazy beautiful landscape with sort of palm trees and uh, the plain of the Serengeti going off and sort of rolling hills in the background. Um, and then there was a giraffe in the scene, and I got the. Um, burners going off in the other hot air balloons and sort of everything sort of came together in that one moment and um yeah i love the feeling of that scene so that's probably another one of my favorite shots thanks for sharing yeah you answered my next question which was do you have any of your own work in your house (laughs) yeah it took me a long time actually for years i didn't have anything but um i've got a few up now i think the the problem is as as i said earlier like i'm never quite happy i'm i'm a perfectionist so i'll take a shot and i'll you know at first i'll think oh yeah i really like that and then i'll start to see things that i wish i'd changed or done differently or or i think oh i can get a slightly better one i'm not gonna i'm not gonna order one yet i'm gonna i know i can get one slightly better so i never uh, get around to ordering them but i told myself a couple of years ago i just need to i just need to get some big prints done and and put them up on the wall i can always replace them so and, and tom just going back you know we're, we're nearly towards the end but just going back to a point you mentioned earlier when you you said 
how somebody can learn. And you said you learned from the greats and you, you stole some of their elements or you adopted some of their methods and, and brought it into your own. You know, I would have some works by Honoré Cartier-Bresson and, you know, Ansel Adams and these sort of people that I've, those sort of books at home. Who are the greats that you've looked at because more and more people are going to be, you know, in five to 10 years time, probably looking at your book, your, your pieces of work. So who has been the mentor in your corner over the last couple of years? I think there's so many people, and, and through the journey, I've, I've there's so many photographers that I've I've loved, and um, as I've gone through different styles. But in terms of my landscapes, I think you you know mentioned Ansel Adams there, and he's a huge inspiration. I mean, what he achieved in his work is just incredible, and I've spent many an hour looking through his books. And but uh, more of a modern inspiration would be Chris Burkard. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's probably yeah. one of the most well-known sort of adventure travel photographers around at the moment with um you know he he's sort of one of the first social media photographers i'd say he's got a huge following on instagram and i think he became known through that um as a cold water surf photographer and um he's a director and uh you know nowadays and he, he does all sorts but watching some of his direct documentaries like uh cold water surf documentaries photographing surfers in, in norway and the snow under the northern lights and um, I followed his journey sort of early on when I was just getting into landscape photography and he was probably one of my biggest inspirations to to, you know, to strive for and, and try and achieve some of what he's done. And then flipping it, if you were to be a mentor, because I know there's loads, probably loads of people listening wanting this question to be asked, um, so I better give them what they want. In terms of growing that social media following, what sort of tips would you give to maybe an aspiring photographer at the moment? Like David. Like David here. <laughs> I mean, it, it is so difficult nowadays, like, to be honest, like, it's still possible. There's plenty of people that do grow accounts, but um, it's so, you know, there's so many people out there. And, and but, okay, I think the important things to stand out are originality and quality of work. There's a lot of very good photographers out there. And, and if you have great photos, then you should do well. But if you can be original and do something different, that's where you'll really stand out and you'll find yourself getting shared um, around on social media which will help you grow a lot of it comes down when i sort of started to grow my account it came down to networking it came down to spending a lot of time looking through accounts that i loved um and you know spending time commenting and, and saying what i liked about the photos and, and showing appreciation and i found that um slowly that turned around a lot of those people you know after commenting would come back and look at my account and would say oh you're a great photographer too and, and came back and followed me so I ended up with, um, you know, in the early days, a few years ago, of people with quite large accounts following me. And I think, I, I don't know if it really works like this now or not, but at the time, I think Instagram, um, their algorithm gave you some kind of credence for that. They're like, oh, look, all these big accounts are following this this account, so this one must be a good account. So they promote it a bit more and you end up on the kind of search page or back in the day, it was called the popular page, uh, which is how you get lots of new people discover your work because, um, you know, they're showing out to the people and, and people come and follow you. But um, it, it definitely is a hustle. It's not something you can, you, you could be the best photographer in the world and you're not going to suddenly get a big following. It's, it's about uh, putting the time in, putting yourself out there, networking with lots of other people, um, taking really good and original work and trying to be different. And what's the most interesting comment or piece of feedback you've received through the years? What's kind of caught your eye and went, huh, that's cool? Oh God, that's a tricky one. I, I don't think I could tell you one specific one that I remember. I know that I'm incredibly appreciative for all the people that follow along to me and, and do comment on my work. 
but yeah, I'm afraid I can't think of something specific that stood out. That I've seen a film recently where it was all about photography and picturesque and that sort of scale and beauty. It's the, what's it called? Walter Mitty? Yeah. And Sean Penn is in the mountains taking a picture of the wildcat and he has all his equipment set up. He's there for a few days and then he doesn't take the photo. Has there been a moment for you where you've maybe been in the situation where you've heard well, you're ready to, you know, take that photo that's been elusive for you and you've just said, no, actually, I'm going to switch off the camera here. This is for myself to enjoy. I don't think I've ever purposely not got the shot but I'm also very aware of when I am traveling in places to not experience through my viewfinder that place to you know to put my camera down once I've got something I'm happy with and to sit there and appreciate it not pack up and say right that's it back to the hotel it's it's sit there and appreciate the scene and take it through your eyes so that you're not just looking through that viewfinder and then and then just experiencing it on a computer screen after so but I, I do think that landscape photography is one important thing well, one great thing about it is that you do have to sit there and wait for that kind of light. Um, and at that time, you are just sitting and watching and, and appreciating. So um, it does put you in places and allow you to have lots of time to appreciate them rather than I, I think is a, a bit of a plague nowadays where a lot of people are kind of live for Instagram. And, and you know, I'm not necessarily saying photographers, but sort of normal people will, you know, go up to a viewpoint somewhere and up oh, snap, got the picture yeah, that's going to look good. Make sure I get a picture of myself. Can post that on Instagram now, and and then okay, move on to the next place. And they don't really pause and reflect and appreciate the place. It's all about showing other people that you've been there and sort of that kind of yeah, I guess proof, like social proof of uh, look at me, I've managed to achieve this. And it's easy to get like that. I I understand why people do, and it's like the danger of social media nowadays. But yeah, I think it's really important to kind of step away from that too. And I try and sometimes, um, you know, leave my phone at home and, and just really experience a place for what it is and appreciate being there rather than uh, having all those distractions. It's a very important point for young photographers. Tom, my last question is, obviously, you would, I would presume, identify yourself as a photographer and even hone into, you know, landscape photography. What else or who else do you identify yourself as? Yeah, I, you know, I, I like to think, I guess, of myself more of an artist than a photographer. I am a photographer, but I've always enjoyed creativity in general. You know, I loved drawing when I was younger um, and sort of graphic design and uh, any kind of art. And I don't do so much of that anymore, but I think that's because that kind of creative um, drive is is being you know, let out through my photography. Um so yeah, I, I would say like I think of myself as an artist. Um, I'm really passionate about learning. I love reading. I love learning about new things. You know, not just about art, about anything from psychology to philosophy, life. You know, uh, fitness. So I, I guess I like to be kind of like a sponge. I like to learn and, and grow and throughout my life. And I don't know how I'd label that necessarily, but um, yeah, I think that's the best way I can describe it. That's excellent. Thanks very much for all the messages so far. Um, it brings us on nicely to the signature question of the show, which is, David alluded to earlier that we see not just athletes as high performers, you're a very high performer in your field and you've inspired many. So what does high performance mean to Tom Archer? I think, you know, for me as an individual, high performance is, is to sort of max out my potential and I strive, you know, I set high targets um, 
And then it's about focusing and it's about working without distractions towards that. So you can achieve sort of the top of your capabilities because yeah, you maybe you can't achieve exactly the same as the next person, but um, as long as you can achieve your kind of maximum potential, then then I'd say that's a huge success. And look, Tom, you know, you obviously just said it, you're always the student, always learning, an artist. We'd like to just say, you know, thanks very much for taking the time to speak to the two of us on the podcast today. We had great time. We learned an awful lot. Looking forward to looking at that glowworm shot and the Serengeti shot. And we're very much looking forward to seeing the next photos you take and how the rest of your career unfolds over the next five to 10 years and, and onwards. So wishing you all the best from Ireland. Stay fit, stay healthy and, um, and speak to you soon. Lovely. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.